0: Hello and welcome to the Radix Research Podcast. I'm Chris Nebenzahl, Director of Economic Research at Radix. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Gleb Nechayev, Head of Research and Chief Economist at Berkshire Residential Investments. Gleb, thanks for joining us.
1: Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Chris. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure uh, to be connecting with you like this and, and um, um, look forward to our discussion. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm based in Boston. Uh, Berkshire Residential Investments is headquartered in Boston. Uh, I've lived in Boston for over 30 years. so It's a place I love and have uh, um, learned a lot of things about it over the years.
0: Great. And as Gleb mentioned, we're going to be focusing on the Boston market today. I'm really excited to have Gleb, uh, a local expert in the Boston market and and certainly a a valuable presence in the multifamily community uh, chatting with me today as we cover uh, one of the gateway markets and and interestingly, one of the best performing markets that we've seen in the past 12 months. Uh, We're recording here on the 18th of August um, in what I would consider you know the middle of a shift for our industry, right? We we saw historic growth in 2021. We saw a pretty quick slowdown in 2022, and given the turbulence in the economy and and certainly in the interest rate market, we're starting to see a, a pretty substantial shift in the multifamily industry. We're, we're going to talk a lot about Boston, but we're we're also going to touch on a few other markets as well. Um, but Gleb, just to kind of kick things off, so Boston is one of the best performing markets in the nation. Um, rents are up, rents are up about 2.5% market-wide according to our data, uh, a pretty rare site given that the national average uh, rent is down about 1.5% on a year-over-year basis. What do you attribute to the outperformance in boston uh, what's what's driving that market right now
1: sure uh, yes that is that is true. Uh, we are seeing that strong momentum uh, in Boston and it's actually one of the strongest momentums among the gateway markets which are uh, which are currently leading uh, the national distribution of markets based on on rent growth. And part of this, we attribute to the fact that over the last few years, uh, certainly since the pandemic, Boston has not seen as much uh, rent growth. And in fact, there were some declines uh, during the pandemic that uh, that Boston is just making up for uh, in, in recent quarters. So um, there is a very strong differentiation, if you will, between markets like Phoenix and Las Vegas where, or South Florida, where where rents have skyrocketed over the last a few years, uh, sometimes rising 40, 50 percent. Whereas in Boston, if you look at where rents are today, they, they're pretty much where they were before, before the pandemic um, or certainly close to the trend, historical trend. And it's a market where incomes have grown uh, quite well, household incomes and wages. Uh, it's a market which hasn't seen as much new development, uh, until recently, so uh, it is not surprising that now that uh, that job growth has uh, strengthened over the past year and and wages have been growing that it 's uh, starting to see uh, more of a recovery from uh, f- back to its historical historical patterns, just as the other markets that I mentioned might be might be moderating
0: certainly so so this is more of a, a balancing or a rebalancing uh, that you 're seeing in terms of the those rapidly growing markets in the Southeast and Southwest, uh, perhaps they just needed to cool off give, given the, the magnitude of growth they saw over the past two years.
1: Yeah, it's a convergence, if you will, correct. And we're seeing that convergence both in fundamentals and uh, also in pricing. Uh, when we, We're probably not gonna talk as much about the, the investment side. Uh, right now. But it's uh, you can certainly see that also in terms of how uh, the returns are moving across markets and how um, real estate prices and, and cap rates are moving.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I love your take uh, on what's going on with transaction activity. Are you noticing that the gateway markets are holding their value, holding their cap rates a little bit more than the Sunbelt markets? Or, or are you seeing cap rate expansion across the board?
1: Uh, I would say it's an interesting question, Chris, because uh, there is a pretty wide variation even within the gateway markets. Uh, So we are seeing certainly, for example, my favorite example uh, more recently is Chicago. Uh, where we are seeing a uh, pretty tangible adjustment already or return to normal in terms of in, in terms of pricing for chicago but it hasn't happened in a place let's say such as san francisco uh, on the west coast of the, the other gateway markets where there is a lot more adjustment that needs to take place still before the market uh, returns to to more normal conditions, both in terms of fundamentals and in terms of pricing. And Boston is kind of in between, I would say. So it's it's it still uh, probably has some adjustment to to go through, but it's not uh, it's not as extreme um, compared to San Francisco.
0: Right, right. San Francisco still has. A number of hurdles I understand to to overcome, both from an operations and a transaction perspective. But it seems like Boston has has uh, overcome a lot of those challenges. Occupancy seems to be back, as we mentioned. Rents are growing again, uh, so I imagine that would certainly have its impact on on valuations as well. Let's talk a little bit about the gateway markets as as they recover. Uh, from a down cycle or a, or a downtrend. Going back to uh, the recovery from the great financial crisis, we saw in New York, San Francisco, Boston were some of the first markets to really emerge from from that re- recession, from the, from the down cycle uh, and start growing again. Do you see similar trends taking place uh, in this down cycle? Perhaps we're already coming out of the down cycle in places like Chicago and New York and Boston, but we might just be entering the down cycle in the Sun Belt?
1: Yeah, I think there will be new um, nuances, uh, if you will, uh, this time around uh, for a lot of these gateway markets, in part driven uh, by what we've experienced during the pandemic and and the work-from-home phenomenon, uh, certainly in a lot of the urban cores, including uh, large uh, gateway markets with a lot of uh, office real estate concentration. Demand is not as quick to return to these cities, so that is certainly uh, one of the factors that is quite different uh, in this recovery for the gateway markets uh, compared to, um, uh, to the previous cycles. And of course, also another differentiating factors that are uh, certainly hard to generalize, but but there are still uh, many urban core areas that are going to see more new supply coming online, just as uh, demand is um, returning very slowly, very gradually. And, And migration, of course, is now one of the key differentiators, too. It's getting a little bit better for the gateway markets over the past year or two. Uh, we're seeing some signs that certainly in, in, in terms of international migration, things are getting a little bit better, but uh, it's still far from uh, from uh, what it used to be in the previous cycles.
0: Right. L- let's drill into that point about uh, the urban core. Uh, one of my favorite images, and I love seeing time-lapse images in, in many cities, but one of my favorite images is the time-lapse of the seaport in Boston going back to 2005 or 2008 and then looking at it. To today, for for those of you who are not familiar, it was a series of industrial buildings and parking lots, really. Uh, and now it's you know one of the the fastest growing uh, submarkets, certainly from a supply perspective and a development perspective. Given all of the new supply, both in, in commercial and office, uh, as well as multifamily, and then this trend of of deurbanization that that I don't think is going away anytime soon. What are you seeing specifically in some of the urban core submarkets in Boston? be it the seaport or the back bay or some of those uh, more densely populated areas?
1: Well, we're, one thing we're seeing, maybe not so much in seaport per se, but certainly adjacent, some of the adjacent submarkets, Charlestown, Chelsea, for example, uh, there is going to be a lot more new development still uh, coming uh, over the next couple of years. And that is one of the factors, I uh, think, in part uh, driven by, on one hand, yes, there is demand. There are people who want to be um, in those areas, um, and and we're we're looking very closely at at some of the drivers of these more specific, very location driven um, decisions that 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 some households make when when they choose to live in a particular area, whether it's a certain types of infrastructure, proximity to work, uh, some other attractions, quality of life, but that growth in terms of new supply in some of these areas is uh, is is not often matched by equally strong demand growth so one of the things one of the things to watch uh, for places like that is that it, is is making being able to make realistic assumptions of just how much household formation some of these pockets can attract, but they do many of them do need uh, new supply and and part of it is not just demand it's also the other fa- big factor, especially in older cities such as Boston, is obsolescence, the aging housing stock uh, and, and and including aging multifamily stock and people are looking for places that are more attractive uh, for them, uh, just as in terms of amenities or or other factors. So they certainly can take more new supply. Just question is how much more?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And are you seeing the new supply that's coming into the Boston market? Is it mostly concentrated still in the urban areas? Or are you seeing more suburban develop? You mentioned Chelsea and Charlestown. Those are kind of uh, urban submarkets, but not right in the downtown area. Where are you seeing most of the supply
1: coming online? so that is i think that example that i that i just gave i think that is one of the areas where we'll probably see more more of a growth in terms of new supply but there's a lot of other urban adjacent uh, still you can consider them part of the urban core uh, in, in in areas uh, including cambridge to lesser degree quincy where you still see a lot of uh, a lot of new development, uh, more so in terms of the growth rate than these uh, areas have experienced over the last two, three, five years, even. So, uh, so they they will see, see more new construction. It's I know, and we will probably talk a little bit about that um, in in a little bit. Uh, Boston is considered more of a supply constrained market, uh, but there is more supply coming. Uh, for, for even for Boston, uh, and but that's not limited to just urban core. There, there, it's also going to happen in the in in some of the suburban submarkets, which is uh, where it's re- it's really needed. There is a lot more, I think, need right now for uh, new construction, new supply in some of these more suburban submarkets of Boston.
0: Yeah, that's a great segue because uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the the supply constraint and some of the. Uh, regulatory impacts in place in, in Massachusetts, do you see a lot of the uh, supply challenges be at the municipality level, town by town, city by city, or are there other regulations that either promote or inhibit supply statewide?
1: It, it is both, uh, Chris. So it's, it's an issue that I think uh, if you think about longer term trends, for Boston, including affordability, including some of the some of the factors that make Boston maybe or can make it more challenging from uh, ch- or can challenge it from the growth perspective, those would be limits to new development and affordability, which are two sides of the same coin. It does vary from municipality to municipality to some degree, but land is expensive <laughs> everywhere, and it, it's hard to build. Um uh, for a variety of reasons, including zoning, including other regulations, and that becomes a constraint uh on affordability and and also constraint on growth uh broader economic growth um and that is um also very often creates another issue such as for example. Rent control, yet another side of that affordability, uh, which is designed or has good intention of solving the issue. But uh, as, as economists would tell you, that policy is often more misplaced because the problem is not that rents are too high or rising too fast. The problem is there's just not enough housing at a particular rent level for people who can afford it. And that's, that's a different problem than the rents are too high or rising too fast, or a different, a different source of a problem.
0: And, and this seems to be kind of the, the great challenge of our industry. When I think at the macro level, we're still in a housing shortage in this country, and yet it seems like that shortage or that surplus is is very acute in different places right? You would go to Phoenix or Vegas and no one would tell you they're in a housing shortage. Perhaps you go to a place like Boston and I'm sure there are still discussions about affordability, but it also seems like a more balanced housing stock uh, in that market.
1: Yes. And it's it's a, it's a I think it's a great point because the first indication for people that there is a shortage is when they can't afford to live in the existing housing.
0: So I, I want to drill into Boston and Boston's growth uh, specifically coming out of the pandemic. Certainly as a result of the pandemic, we saw a growth in life sciences real estate, but also demand for um biotech and life sciences, additional research. Boston is one of the few markets in the country that has a very strong concentration uh, in healthcare, in biotech. How has that kind of impacted the growth coming out of the pandemic? Certainly, there was a presence there before, but what do you see going forward as well for that sector specifically, driving the local economy and the housing market?
1: Well, I think I think it will become will remain one of the key drivers in technology more broadly for for Boston, and certainly one of the engines of local growth and it will remain very important driver of demand for apartments, uh, specifically in areas uh, where such employment takes place. And right now there is more and more housing that's needed in and around those corridors where where these firms are, are located, the question is uh, is the pace of hiring recent pace of hiring in a lot of, uh, in a lot of these areas um, and and how quickly they overstretch themselves in, term, in terms of the recent hiring, will there be more of a pause uh, for example, now uh, as a result of that? in the next uh, year or two and if you look at projections for for job growth including Boston it calls for for more moderation so that's uh, that, that is something i think also to to consider but as as an anchor as a as an important key of the local infrastructure in the economy uh, it's 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 essential, and it will um, as far as long term drivers go. It's it's great to have that presence in 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 the market.
0: Absolutely, you mentioned earlier migration. I want to touch on migration uh, really quick. What are the trends that you're seeing in migration, either in and around Greater New England or or across the country in general, or even as you mentioned, international migration? The the gateway markets have historically. Um, had the most immigration, one of the reasons they're called gateway markets, gateway to the US, um, but have often struggled with domestic out-migration. What sort of trends are you seeing there? um, And and how do you see that manifesting itself over the next two to three to four years?
1: Uh, I think what we're finally seeing is is some signs of uh, turnaround in terms of that very drastic loss of uh, population due to migra- domestic migration, people leave, just leaving metro areas, not just leaving cities for the suburbs, just but just leaving a lot of these gateway metro areas for for the Sunbelt, for example, Florida, Texas, et cetera. That is starting, is showing some signs of stabilizing. They're still seeing negative domestic migration, but these figures are not as uh dramatic as they were a couple of years ago and at the same time now with the international migration starting to pick up uh, their overall loss of population is not as severe including cities but one of the things also um that we're seeing still uh and in, in part because of that work from home phenomenon and and and, and the costs of uh housing in the city versus suburbs, there is still a lot of people who prefer to be in the suburbs. So some of that migration that you, you've you seen over the last couple of years, and those trends uh, are still continuing today, is a, is a movement not just out of the metro from the city, uh, from the metro area into other metro areas, but also from the city to the suburbs. That's still happening. Yeah. Not to say that there are no people moving from the suburbs into the cities. That is happening as well, but there is still more. Uh, suburbs are still attracting greater share of that migration, and uh, we're tracking it both through uh, just officially reported data, but there is a lot more information now to that helps people to track migration trends in real time u- using. Mobile phone data and some other data sources. So that is partially what gives us some reason to think that at least for now, these these trends are still in place. Maybe maybe a little bit better than they were, but still, uh, it's, it's certainly, Sunbelt is still continuing to uh, to benefit from the uh, from from those domestic migration patterns. But places like Boston. Uh, are stabilizing, and that's that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that in our data as well. Uh, certainly, higher traffic numbers, perhaps higher leasing numbers in the Sun Belt. Uh, but in terms of that efficiency, in terms of that closing ratio, you're s- still seeing really strong closing ratios in gateway markets like Boston and New York. And to your point, we're we're seeing a lot of uh, I'd say steadiness or steady growth in the in the suburban areas as well. In Boston, it's it's kind of the inner ring suburbs. It's in within one twenty eight. Um, you know, going down to the South and the West, uh, still very, very strong demand in, in some of these suburban sub
1: Yeah. And it's becoming another dimension to this, to all of this, in addition to affordability, especially with more flexible work arrangements. It's also the commute times, cost of commuting, in addition to the cost of housing. So that equation, cost of housing, cost of commuting, both in terms of dollars and time, uh, is is a big variable, and and uh, as long as there is a favorable ratio, if you will, based on that, uh, we will probably still see suburbs benefiting until until there is more of an even field, if you will, in terms of pricing.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. So, building off of that, in terms of perhaps the units or the properties that will be in demand through this next cycle, uh, do you think there will be more interest in in larger units, uh, perhaps? Units and and homes that have extra bedrooms for work from home situations or even townhomes or single family rentals. How do you see that the continuation of work from home or hybrid work environment impacting what type of, of homes are in demand?
1: Yeah, I think I think people do want more space. And, and you're more likely to find more space further outside of the city because, the, as you know, the, the units get progressively smaller in the higher density areas because of the cost uh, of land. But I would also say that in terms of demographics, one of the things we're seeing is that there is still continuing trend towards the rise of single living so from that perspective perhaps uh, from a purely demographic standpoint and it's not just boston it's 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 it's, it's a broad national and i would even say global trend there is more and more need for individuals to have their own living arrangements so it's not it's less about having a home big home or a huge apartment people do want more space perhaps it's one bedroom or two bedroom unit but we'll be more focusing on one person households than multiple. That's one thing. And then another thing we're seeing too, and that's also showing up in the data, is that despite all of this, if you look at where the shortage is, where there's still a lot of demand and there's just not enough supply, is bigger units (laughs) at the same time, because there's a lot of multi-person households. And if you look at the distribution, of uh, inventory, including rental inventory, there's just not enough very large units. So you have this dichotomy, I would say, uh, between very large uh, homes, uh, rental homes, and larger units and and smaller ones. The middle seems to be doing okay, but it's it's I think where the shortages probably are more acute as on the either extreme of that distribution.
0: Absolutely, great point. Um, so we've talked a lot about the growth in Boston and, and, and the steadiness. Are there any uh, perhaps challenges or, or uh, as you look into your crystal ball, any any concerns that you have in the market uh, looking out, say, two to three to four years?
1: I think it's more uh, longer even term that I can one observation that I can make about Boston and it's remain. it has been its challenge before and it remains its challenge now is transportation system. It's a serious issue for for an older city like Boston that has grown quite a bit uh, over the last 20, 30 years, but it, its transportation system is still pretty dated. Uh, and and in, I mentioned affordability earlier. That is one of the constraints for growth for a place like Boston. And I would say the transportation system is another constraint. So until those two issues are successfully addressed, or at least Partially addressed. I think there will be some challenges from the growth perspective for Boston metro area, but it's 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 all doable. I think it's it's just, and I think uh, the local politicians are thinking about how to uh, to address the transportation issues. Uh, more needs to be done for sure, but uh, um, but I think there is a recognition that 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 is one of the Key things that is required to make sure that Boston is a viable, is a viable growth uh, long term, and then of course the other the other thing, I mean, if you're asking about the near term, you know in the next two or three years, I think it's it's uh, of course it's the ability of the high tech driven city to adjust to some potential disruptions that might happen as a result of rising interest rates, broader economic moderation that 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 uh, is expected to happen so to to the degree to, in, in technology does sector does tend to be more volatile so uh, so that that is one of the uh, one of the things to watch also from the near term job growth perspective
0: absolutely Bo- both great points and i think as i look at different markets across the country it's interesting to talk about transportation uh, you look at some of the best transportation or or i would say the most intricate transportation systems are places like New York, Boston, Chicago, some of these older cities that have uh, the transportation infrastructure built, I should say, but that infrastructure is falling apart very quickly. Then you look at some of the the faster growing cities like in Atlanta, like a Dallas, Denver, um, Phoenix, and there's very limited public transportation, um, but there's a lot more space. Yet those markets still have a lot of issues with congestion, with traffic.
1: Absolutely. Nashville is a good example another good example of a rapidly growing uh, market where local uh, residents are now becoming more and more vocal about the fact that there's just it's not quality of life uh, is not quite the same because of that congestion
0: yeah yeah and, and so you look at a place like Boston where where the the foundation is is set for their transportation infrastructure but we, we see it fall apart and, you know, you see news reports of different uh, MBTA lines having delays and challenges. To your point, the, the question is, how do we overcome those? Because if if they're able to be overcome, that transportation system could be, again, one of the best uh, in the country and certainly a, an asset that the city has access to that some of these other places like Nashville, as you mentioned, uh, have, have yet to develop. So great, great point there. Uh, we're almost out of time, Gleb. I want to give you the final thought. Um, any any kind of final uh, message or final idea that you have um, on on the city of Boston and the the multifamily industry there that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: I'm I'm very optimistic about the long term prospects for Boston. I've lived here um, much of my life. And uh, I think the more the city does to, and the, the broader metro area does to, uh, to improve some of the infrastructure, local infrastructure and transportation, the more viable and competitive it becomes, not just for the U.S., but globally too, both as a, as a technology hub, as a science and education hub. Uh, medical system and 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 uh, a lot of other great things about it that make it so attractive for real estate investment and um, apartment in, in investment in particular.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Gleb, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I love our conversations uh, and I'm glad you were able to join the podcast. Um, again, I've been joined by Gleb Nichayev, H- Head of Research and Chief Economist at Berkshire Residential. Uh, This will wrap up our Boston Radix Research Podcast. Thank you again for joining us, uh, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you.